Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Cuball Clark. There's Charles W. Uh, Mr. Clean Bryant and Jerry uh, Sinead O'Connor Rowland. Mm. Rounds it out for Stuff You Should Know, the Hair Loss Edition. Remember when uh, Sinead O'Connor and everyone got mad because she ripped up a picture of the Pope to protest uh, Catholic mm-hmm. Church? Yeah, we talked about this like a couple of weeks ago. Did we? Yeah. Did we? Yeah. Did say we? It, say it again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> You're going up an octave each time. That's pretty impressive. I don't remember that. Oh, boy. We I'm talked about it. a Saturday Night Live sketch where Frank Sinatra had her on and they were uh, discussing stuff. <laughs> of course. The yes. great Phil Hartman as uh, chairman of the board. But Sinead O'Connor wasn't losing her hair. She made a conscious decision to basically stick it to the establishment and say, hey, I'm shaving my head. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, my um, I know that we haven't seen each other, but I'm uh, I'm starting to get a little thin on the crown after my hair being like my only decent defining feature as a, <laughs> as a man for many years. Sure. It's starting to thin out a little on the crown. That, I mean, it happens. Mine's been doing that for a little while. It is distressing at first, and then you just get used to it, especially when it's it plateaus for a while. Mm, yeah. Like you're, mine's in a plateau stage, and I'm like, okay, I, I can live. Let's just keep, let's hold here. We're okay holding here. Um, but it, yeah, it is. It's a thing for sure. It's not the funnest thing in the world to realize your hair is thinning. Yeah, I mean, I'm not doing anything about it certainly because I'm. I don't know. I just I don't have that kind of vanity. I have other kinds of vanity, but it's mm-hmm. uh and I don't see it. So I was talking to Noel about it on Movie Crush and he was like, You just you just gotta back out of every room you walk into. <laughs> <You're good. laughs> that is good advice. That's like hair club level advice. Yeah, but I'll I mean I'll just you know, I've have I've shaved my hair about once a year anyway, so I'm I'm fine to live that life too. Yeah, and I mean it just it happens. It's one thing that like really kind of came through in researching hair loss is like there's really nothing wrong with it. It's not medically debilitating in most yeah. cases. We should say pattern baldness, the the far and away the most frequent reason people lose their hair, both men and women. There's nothing wrong with you. There's no disease. There's no, no there's no problem with your m- metabolic functioning. Nothing mm-hmm. like that. It's strictly cultural, like cultural norms and preferences of beauty. That's it. That's the only thing. You're just yeah. kind of involuntary violating beauty norms of your culture. And if the rest of the culture can just get over it, which they generally do, um, you can get over it too. And that's that. And I've just dug my own grave because now I'm going to have to take my own medicine and get over it. I'm sure all of my hair is going to fall out in the next hour. Uh, no, it's not. But, you know, we're, we're going to cover types of hair loss and also some remedies. And uh, we'll get into the couple of um, sort of prescription remedies that they have found over the years, yeah, uh, which really hit me today more than ever, sort of how cruelly it's <laughs> one of them at least is, which is like, uh, hey, if you're a young and single man and you're starting to lose your hair and you're worried about, you know, attracting ladies, we have something for you. And, and it might give you erectile dysfunction and you might not be interested in sex, but you'll have your hair back. You're going to have some <laughs> hair, baby. Like, man, what a... What a weird, cruel trade-off. I know. Chemistry giveth and chemistry taketh away. 
So I guess that was a spoiler, but uh, I think most people know that and know what we're talking about. Yeah, we'll get into that in a little while. But first, I think we should talk about, if we're talking about hair loss, which we are talking about hair loss, we should talk about how hair grows in the first place. Because it is just part of the natural order of things that your hair falls out. There's like three stages of hair growth that applies not just to human hair, but also to animal fur, too. Because don't forget, you are an animal, too, human. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we have the same three stages of growth. Um shrinkage, and then resting. Uh, That's basically the broad strokes of them. But it's a little more interesting in the details. Yeah, I mean, I kind of linked, I kind of thought of it as little gremlins under your scalp, little knitting gremlins. Mm -hmm. And when you're in that anagen phase, A-N-A-G-E-N, that is when your hair is growing. And cells are forming a little protein root at the base of every little hair follicle, Mm-hmm. that produces hair. And that's that's when those gremlins are down there knitting the hair and they're continuously knitting. Like, you know, when hair is grow- growing out of a follicle, they're just, they're hard at work and it just keeps going and keeps going and you're cutting it and they're, they keep sending it through that shoot and everything's great. Yeah, and like that, those gremlins basically form an organ. Each of your hair follicles is basically an organ. There's a lot of stuff going on down there. There's a lot of... A lot of growth factors and proteins working and cells being converted from stem cells into epithelial cells. And um, the, the, the um, follicle is lined with muscles that are pushing the hair up as new, new hair cells are formed. It's pretty interesting stuff. And this phase that you're talking about where the gremlins are really working in overdrive is called the antigen phase. And it lasts anywhere from two to six years for your hair. And you get haircuts so often, and we used to before the pandemic, that um, you don't think like a single hair that you're getting cut like every, you know, six, eight weeks, however often you go in, um, is trying to grow out for like six straight years, but you keep cutting it. It must be very frustrating for the hair follicle. (laughs) It must be. Uh, The next phase is basically gremlins go on vacation. This is the, uh, I guess, the catagen phase. Mm Mm-hmm. And at some point, this little protein cells, this matrix at the root of the hair follicle is going to run dry. The follicle stops growing new hair cells. Mm -hmm. And those gremlins are taking some time off. And that hair strand, though, it's not like that hair falls out immediately. It still is getting kind of pushed through. And you think it's growing. I almost said it's growing. It's not. It's not growing anymore. But it's just being kind of pushed through to the very end. And finally, Mm -hmm. it just pop goes through, and that's it for that hair and that follicle. Right. And so that that happens at any given point in time. I think there's like, oh, I saw the percentage. I can't remember it now. But there's like somewhere, I think maybe 6% of your hair is in that catagen phase at any okay. given point in time. And you lose something like 50 to 100 hairs a day off of your head. Totally normal. Those are just hairs that have reached that catagen phase and finally got pushed all the way out. And I guess between the hair we lose and the dead skin cells that we slough off of our, our epidermis every day, yeah. if you could manage to sweep it all together into a little pile, it'd weigh about 1.5 grams every okay. day. I can live with that. And, hair and dead skin. You're it's losing not weight. Bad, but imagine if you could, like, you know, collect that and really get a pretty good pile going after a few <laughs> months, you know? I don't think. Well, I think there are some people who might do stuff like that. Sure, there are. There's. There are definitely, there's somebody who does everything. And there's uh, probably collectors. also 
some there's somebody who's turned on by the idea of that as well out there too. Maybe so hats so. off to you guys. The dead skin cell collectors and the dead skin cell um kink. Kinks, yeah. It's so what about kink? the what it's about the kink? last Yeah, for sure. We don't judge. What about the last as long as you're not harming anybody, right? That's right. What is the last phase? Because there's a, a third phase too, that this is really like the resting phase where it's kind of regrouping like the gremlins are laying around, they're spent, they're exhausted, they're catching their breath. Basically, that's the, I mean, I, th- I think their vacation is kind of winding down at this point during the telogen phase. Mm-hmm. And that, like you said, that's dormant. The follicle is sort of resting. Those gremlins are resting. Uh, they're forming and they're getting those needles sharp again, To those knitting needles sharp, uh, which in the body means they're forming a new protein matrix. And they're getting ready to, to punch the clock and go back to work. And that dormancy is a few weeks. They get a few weeks, maybe a few months off before it kicks off in that antigen phase all over again. Yeah. What's interesting um, is, you know, hair loss has been viewed as basically cosmetic. Like, you know, almost all cultures, I couldn't find any that seemed to like really have no opinions about it. It seems like all cultures view hair loss as sucking, right? But in the West, it's viewed as a cosmetic problem. So there hasn't been like a ton of research mm-hmm. into it. Certainly very little government-funded research into it. Um, I'm surprised. I, I am too, but the, it was explained in something I read that it's, it's just cosmetic. It's like TS that happens, get over it. But in the, in, um, the East, in Asian countries in particular, it's a much less frequent occurrence. Mm-hmm. But it's picking up. Um, and they think because of a more hectic, unhealthy lifestyle, more Asian men in like China, Korea, Japan are losing their hair, um, especially in a younger age. And that is a big deal in those cultures. And so there's a lot more government funding that's being put into it in the last decade or so. But the interesting thing that stuck out to me is that we are learning about how hair grows by doing research on how to prevent hair loss. And we know less about how hair grows than I realize. So basically everything we said is a pretty good understanding, but there's still a lot of different components to the whole thing that science doesn't fully understand that we probably will have a better grasp on than in the next 10 to 20 years from hair loss research. Yeah, I think it's uh, Asian heritage and African heritage, and uh, it seems like there was one more. Native American? Native American, right. Mm-hmm. They, I think they suffer hair loss less frequently. Yeah, from what I saw, it's Caucasian white um, and African American tend to be the two dominant groups for hair loss, but far and away, white men yeah. lose their hair more than any other group. Well, that's why I was surprised that there wasn't more research, <laughs> even though it's cosmetic. Right. Because it's largely white men. I was like, well, we, we need to get on this right, <laughs> right. now, gentlemen. It's happening to white <laughs> men. Do I have to repeat myself? Yeah, that's a great point. Should we, uh, let's take a break here and okay. we'll, is that good with you? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Okay. I know that it's funny. We get emails where people want us to come to blows over taking breaks <laughs> or not. I know. Like, Do you guys ever get mad and not want to take a break? I'm like, not really. Huh? Sometimes. Huh? Do you? Uh, all right. Well, we will take a break then since Josh agreed and only because he agreed. And we'll come back and talk about uh, some <laughs> of the less common causes of hair loss right after this.
Okay, so um, Chuck, you've heard the word alopecia before, right? Yeah, for sure. So, anytime I've heard alopecia, it's a it's a, in reference to the condition that I didn't realize, but it makes sense, is an autoimmune disorder where you have no hair whatsoever, no eyebrows, no head hair, no hair on your legs anywhere. Um, but it turns out that all hair loss, scientifically speaking, of any kind, including, you know, thinning of the hair that you and I have, is considered alopecia. And alopecia actually comes from the Greek for um, the Greek word fox, which makes tons of sense, right? Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, Supposedly, in ancient Greece, there were some foxes that could get a type of mange that caused them to lose hair in big patches. Mm -hmm. And so they just, that's where the word came from. Uh, I'm not sure how it got transferred to humans, but, you know, the ancient Greeks marched to the beat of their own drummer. I think somebody was being droll and said, oh, that's that's fox-like. Oh, really? That's what I'm getting from. And I know it was it was Hippocrates that popularized it, so. That guy. Yeah, that guy. That guy. <laughs> <laughs> were you doing a, what we do in the shadows? Yeah, but you got to go, that deafing guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you're rewatching that, right? Yes, it's so good. It's a good time, isn't it? Yes, it is. <laughs> um, so there are a few, like you said, it, it means any kind of hair loss. So obviously there are a few different kinds, but alopecia areata, that is the autoimmune condition specifically that's going to fool your body into attacking its own healthy cells because it's an autoimmune condition and especially the hair follicles in this case. And if you have alopecia areata, uh, you're going to lose hair in patches. Um, if you lose all the hair on your scalp, that's alopecia totalis. Mm-hmm. And then I think what you were talking about, there is a, the most severe condition where, you know, someone doesn't have any hair on their body at all. I can't remember the actor's name. Who, Hank from Barry? I don't know who that is. From Barry? What's Barry? Oh, oh, Barry. Yeah. Remember Hank the gangster? You know, I didn't I only watched a little bit of the first season of Barry. Which one was Hank? Hank was the super lovable, like, murderous psychopath who <laughs> is like the, I can't remember if they're Ukrainian. I think they're Ukrainian, right? It doesn't need, like, work for the Ukrainian mob. I don't know, man. I didn't get far enough into Barry. I you need to. met Hank, I promise. All right. Just I don't know if that's the actor I'm talking about, but there is a, a famous actor who suffers from alopecia uh, universalis, and that's the one where you don't have any hair on your body. Right. Um, but again, any like any kind of hair loss, medically speaking, is is referred to as alopecia. That is correct. And so, um, alopecia, like I was saying, it's a it's an autoimmune disorder, and they're working on it. But uh, it's basically they don't really have much of a cure for it right now. Um, and the same goes, from what I understand, for another condition that has to do with hair loss called telogen effluvium. Um, and fortunately for people who have telogen effluvium, that hair loss is kind of temporary. But really interestingly, it it can come as the result of like a, 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 a profound emotional hardship. Yeah, it could be a life trauma or something. Uh, if you're some, suffering from any kind of traumatic event, that could be the case. Mm-hmm. And this is when basically the gremlins are is uh, they're on like Aerosmith. They're on permanent vacation. And it is stuck in the dormant phase for basically longer, I guess, semi-permanent vacation. Because like you said, it is temporary. Uh But uh, it's stuck in that phase for longer than usual. And, you know, it could be 
anything. You could have a, a big surgery that was stressful or given birth or any sort of, I mean, there could be just a traumatic emotional event in your life that caused, that kicks us off. Yeah, and when your hair is in a normal um, cycle of growth, like there, like I said, there's constantly hair that's in the um, the the catagen phase, that resting phase, or the telogen phase, the super resting phase, or the re, re, regrouping phase, I guess. Um, and then more, most of them are in the antigen phase. Um, with telogen effluvium, you've got the same cycle going on. It's just they stay in that catagen phase longer, so there's less hair coming out at any given point in time or growing out at any given point in time, so it seems thinner. But again, it's just temporary. Once you your body kind of goes back to its previous normal or baseline emotional state, it can it can be fine. Um, this can also come about from a thyroid deficiency yeah. uh, or an iron deficiency. And both of those things are involved, um, thyroid growth hormone and iron are involved in cell division. Remember you talked about the, the gremlins working overtime. Well, one of the things they're doing is um, growing cells, sp- dividing cells very, very quickly to turn them into hair that's growing. And so if those two things aren't feeding this hair growth, um, that can cause this telogen effluvium too. That's right. Uh, And then, of course, there's chemotherapy. Uh, Anyone who's ever had a family member or themselves been through uh, the really powerful medications you have to endure with chemotherapy, Mm -hmm. uh, that can also lead to temporary hair loss. Um, and you know, it's, it's targeting cancer cells, but it's also targeting hair cells because what they're trying to do is stop the fast growing cells and the hair cells are among those. So it is one of the unfortunate side effects of chemotherapy, but again, temporary and, uh, you know, our, our heart goes out to anyone that's had to go through chemotherapy. It's really rough. Mm-hmm. And most of us have probably seen it uh, through someone that they know pretty closely mm-hmm. and hair loss can be a big, a big, big part of it. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, androgenetic alopecia, and this is the one that is far and away the type of um, hair loss that that most people suffer, both right. men and women. It's called male pattern baldness is another word for it, but there's also pattern baldness for women as well. Um, it's just that, again, if you're a white man, the chances are that you have some form of, or some degree, I should say, of androgenetic alopecia. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's about 40% of anyone who suffers from pattern uh, pattern baldness are women, but it's not talked about as much, um, Mm -hmm. I think. And it's it's not like it's only 10%. I mean, 40% is substantial, but it's usually not as severe. So, and it happens in a different way, which we'll get to, but Mm -hmm. um, so it, it may not be as noticeable to others. And I think and that just with, you know, probably male bias is the reason why you don't hear pattern baldness talked about for women as much. I would, I think you're exactly right, for sure. Plus so, also, I mean, the basis of it too seems to have to do with male sex hormones. So yeah. it seems like, you know, like it, it it's more directed toward males in general as well. Well, yeah. So what's what's the deal with that? So, androgenetic um, refers to the Greek root word ander for man, um, and what it's really talking about are androgens, which are um, sex hormones. And in particular, 
uh, one of the culprits is a form of testosterone called dihydrotestosterone, which is like testosterone on testosterone, basically. <laughs> um, when testosterone comes in contact with something called 5-alpha reductase, which is uh, uh, some sort of enzyme that you can find in muscle tissue, it gets converted into this dihydrotestosterone, DHT. I th- yeah. I feel like we talked about this. Was it in the male puberty, maybe? Probably. I would guess either that or ballpoint pens. <laughs> one of those two. You know, it's funny. As you were saying that, I was trying to think of a funny one. And then there you had it, under control. Nice. Thanks. One of us always has it under control. And if Bald neither one of pens. us do, then we're in big trouble. Yeah. That's when it's time to go away. So this DHT stuff, this is this is the, this is the weird thing. Like, there is a... Um, a general understanding that dihydrotestosterone has to do with pattern baldness, whether in males or, or females. But it um, it's not exactly understood how it, it produces pattern baldness. We just know and have known since I believe the late 1940s um, that if you have pattern baldness, you have a higher concentration of DHT in your scalp than people who don't have pattern baldness. So that seems like a pretty big clue. Yeah, and the reason it happens to both men and women is because both men and women produce testosterone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people know this, but if you didn't pay attention in biology class, you may not know that women produce testosterone in their ovaries. Uh and just not as much as men, obviously. So they have lower levels of testosterone, lower levels of DHT mm-hmm. as a result. And so that's why, A, they're in, um, they're in the minority as far as suffering from pattern baldness and why it happens to a, a lesser degree when it does happen. Right. Um, but it's a really weird paradox that dihydrotestosterone would um, produce pattern baldness because we actually need it to produce pubic hair and armpit hair. Right. Um, so you wouldn't have either of those. If you have a DHT deficiency or a testosterone deficiency, you have less pubic hair or armpit hair. And you don't develop those types of hair until you start to develop testosterone and then in turn DHT after you reach puberty. Head hair has nothing to do with DHT. And yet at some point later in life, DHT for some reason starts to accumulate in yeah. the in the scalps of a lot of people. And it actually causes hair loss rather than hair growth, which at the very least you'd think – you know, what if what if it converted our hair into pubic hair later in life? That would be hilarious. <laughs> Especially in the areas, in the same pattern that you bald, what if that just got replaced with pubic hair? Hey, that, that'd be pretty sweet. It'd be the 1970s all over again. It would be. It'd be awesome. You wouldn't have to be Mike Brady getting that... <laughs> that, uh, that tight curl going. <laughs> Love that, man. I remember that smell, man. I don't know if... Uh, I don't know if your mom ever did that, but my mom would get the perm, the Uh at-home perm. Oh, yeah. Every now and then for a few years in the 70s. And that Mm -hmm. smell, for some reason, you know how you just tie these things together in your brain. Mm -hmm. She was doing it one night while the Circus of the Stars was on. (laughs) Yeah. So to this day, I can't think of the Circus of the Stars without thinking of that smell of (laughs) at-home perm. Yeah. I guess it's better than elephant poop. Uh, Sure. In I always <laughs> I associate well the smell of elephant poop is not no, I know. pleasant. Um, Neither is the perm. <laughs> I know it's. I think the perm's probably worse than elephant poop. At least elephant poop is like an organic smell. This is just straight chemical nightmare. You know. Yeah. Um, I always associate Pizza Hut 
home delivery mm-hmm. with uh, solid gold. Okay. Because my parents would, um, <laughs> if they were going out on Saturday night, you know, they'd be getting ready and they'd just order Pizza Hut or something for us wow. kids to eat. And we would sit there and watch <laughs> Solid Gold and eat Pizza Hut. So funny, man. I always thought, even as a kid, too, it was funny that they called it a perm. Right. Uh, because it wasn't permanent. And no. I, I learned it stood for permanent. And I, I remember being like 11 and saying, like, they should call it a temp. <laughs> and Glavin. Yeah. And getting beat up on the playground, probably. <laughs> right. While we were or, all standing around talking about perms. Or, yeah, or being the most popular kid at your experimental <laughs> middle school, high school. Perhaps. Um, so back to DHT, we should point out that that was <laughs> discovered in 1949. Uh, this anatomist named James Hamilton uh, discovered the role, or I guess uncovered the role of DHT in mm-hmm. pattern baldness. So that was a big step forward as far as kind of getting a, a semi-understanding. Yeah, so what they think happens, think we still don't understand it, is that um, testosterone comes in contact with that 5-alpha reductase in those muscles that push the hair up in the follicles, Mm -hmm. and that in those follicles, it's converted to DHT. And then for some reason, somehow, some way, the DHT shrinks the hair follicle, and the hair follicle stays in the uh, antigen, the growth phase, far less frequently, produces thinner, uh, less robust hair, and then eventually just stops functioning at all. Yeah, those gremlins quit. Yeah, they say, enough of this DHT stuff. I used to enjoy this neighborhood, and now the DHT came along, and I don't like it. He always wants to fight and push people around and talk about how much he can lift, and uh, (laughs) you want to come to his CrossFit class because he'll show you what real working out is all about. Yeah, and his dad's an attorney, and he'll sue you for all the money you got. Yeah, exactly. He's just just a general pain. So, if you recognize the name, if you suffer from pattern baldness, you probably have done a lot of research, and the name Hamilton might seem familiar, because he is also one of the cats who identified first those stages of the of the pattern balding, and it's called the Hamilton-Norwood scale. Sure. So, you've probably heard the Hamilton-Norwood scale. That is when— Really? Huh? Yeah. I mean, I think if you start to—if um, you have an internet connection— <laughs> and you start to lose your hair, you uh-huh. probably find out pretty quickly. But it's not just like something people talk about. Okay. Unless it's, you know, people that are all suffering hair loss and they're all talking about where they are on the scale. It's not like the Bristol stool scale, which everybody knows about. No, or the, what is it, the Scoville uh, hot pepper thing? Right, right, yeah. Not commonplace like that. <laughs> right. But the the common... uh pattern that emerged that was recognized by Hamilton and I don't even know who was Norwood do you know uh Norwood was uh Mr. Glenn Norwood I'm, I I can't even make this joke go oh. anywhere I'm just stop here <laughs> all right and let's see that, that one out yeah <laughs> so uh the common uh pattern is you get an M sort of at the front of your hairline at, at your forehead the upper corners start to recede, and you might hear it called a receding hairline, mm-hmm. and it sort of looks like the letter M because, uh, like the little Eddie Munster, it kind of comes to a point <laughs> right. and then goes in on the sides, and that's step one. I think it's a very handsome look. The it sure M, can the be. M hairline, receding hairline is. I think it's sharp. No, I, I do, and I haven't. You know, mine <laughs> went straight to the crown. I don't really have same here much of the uh, receding hairline up front, but no. 
That's what's next is the bald spot on the crown or the vertex of the head. And the idea is, in, in the cruelest possible form, is <laughs> the, the crown is losing it, the forehead is losing it, and they say, hey, why don't we meet in the middle and talk about this? Yeah. And that's what happened. They creep, the, the crown creeps forward, and the hairline creeps backward, and eventually they meet in the middle, and they go, hey, it's nice to meet you. I'm... uh." Let's go on vacation forever. And <laughs> then you have no hair on the top of your head. And if you if you let all your hair grow that's still there, you're going to have that hair on the sides and in the back. Because it's weird, but it just it doesn't affect the sides and the back of the hair in the same way. The follicles yeah. are, are different. You basically, you go from Gene Hackman in The French Connection. Okay. To Gene Hackman in Absolute Power. Okay. And then eventually, if it keeps going, you end up as Gene Hackman in Superman. Okay. And then eventually the Royal Tannenbaums, and then you retire. <laughs> right. But so um, there's also this, this possible outcome of the M receding hairline meeting up with the bald spot on the crown in that there's a little island tuft of hair in the forehead that was like the dip or the 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 lowest point of the M or the downward point of the M mm-hmm. that got left behind. Yeah. And so you still have a little little cute little tin tin patch of hair right there. Mm-hmm. That is a possible outcome of this. But more likely than not, you're gonna end up with just that ring of hair kind of like Patrick Stewart in Star Trek the Next Generation. Yeah, and, and again, it's cause the the hair on the sides, the follicles on the sides and the back are naturally DHT resistant, even if you have that pattern baldness, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's just a shame it wasn't reversed because maybe it would be different, but, you know, people, it is a hairstyle to shave the sides and the back and to have the faux hawk or the mohawk or the sort of military looking cut. Mm-hmm. Um, there is no hairstyle that is mere male pattern baldness. I mean, you can you can grow it out and rock it, kind of like Phil Collins did for a while in the 80s. Definitely. And, that, and that's fine, man. We're not yucking anyone's yum. But if it were somehow reversed, uh, I don't think it would be as big of a deal. Hmm. Like if you lost your hair on the sides and in the back, you know? I'm or not, would, that's I'm not what I'm saying. I'm sure I agree with that. Or would it be culturally shifted to where that was like, oh, boy. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened because everybody's always got to have a problem with something on everybody else. Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think it'd be bad either way. But I think I think you're right. Phil Collins managed to, to rock it out. I think um, Bruce Willis did a great job with it as well. Yeah, um, and he and went. He started shaving pretty early on too. He he just went with it eventually. But he still had the stubble. He didn't go like straight up like you know, just like Jeff Bezos or anything like that. Yeah, he he eventually did. Like Travolta now, like. Mm-hmm. Props to Travolta for yes. for finally giving in and uh, and getting rid. I mean, I think he he probably had hair plugs, which we'll get to, mm-hmm. or at the very least, whatever you know. We'll, we'll talk about the newer treatments. Yeah, and uh, it's one of those things where there are certain male actors where when you compare photos of them today to photos of them uh, fifteen years ago, and they have more hair now, it's one of those things where you're like, all right. Uh, it's the Jeremy Piven effect. Like, I think we know what's happening here. Sure. And, you know, it, especially if you're an, an actor, uh, that that is your, I mean, it, it may be harder to just embrace the like, all right, I'll just shave my head thing. 
because you may think you may not work as much or something, or you may not be appropriate for certain kinds of roles you want to get. So, right. you know, I could see them tying it into work somehow. And, and certainly actors are not uh, historically short on ego. So that plays a part as well. Sure. I was reading a BBC article and they interviewed an actor named James Nesbitt, who's fairly well known. And he um, credited his hair restoration with basically restoration of his career. Like oh, he really? started getting parts again that he was getting passed over for. He said his confidence went up. And I mean, more power to you. If you want to do something about your hair loss, that's fine. If you want to go the Travolta way, that's fine too. But yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I think people who who are like, yeah, there's before and after pictures. Mm-hmm. Like there's a very famous one of Elon Musk um, in his PayPal days. He was young, very young when he started to, to thin uh, pretty dramatically. And then now if you look at Elon Musk, he has a beautiful full head of hair. And I think um, oh, yeah, look at that. he cares exactly bagel of whether you realize that he got hair plugs or not because he's got hair again. Well, so who knows what like, crazy. You know, he probably invented some treatment that only he is privy to. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But then if you look at Jeff Bezos, the, 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 he went the other way. He's definitely got a few bucks that he could spend on that, I would guess. And sure. he decided not to, which I'm surprised by, actually. He seems like the type who would go full, like, yeah, like, maybe. You know, Bob Ross, maybe. Yeah, I mean, he could have a an underground illegal scalp farm. <laughs> For all we know, sure that he's mining. Right, it has nothing to do with with uh, with hair growth. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's looking to sell that stuff. <laughs> right. They'll deliver it to your porch via drone one day. Right, some like robot just drops a bloody scalp on your porch and a big <laughs> thud. There you go, put it on. Uh, <laughs> I didn't order this. Put it on. One says size Bezos fits all. Through the drone, watching you tremble. So that is male pattern baldness. Uh, with women, if they suffer from pattern baldness, it is going to be uh, not as predictable. It's not like male pattern baldness uh, in that the thinning kind of happens more everywhere. It's not like it just happens from front to back and then you lose all your hair in that U shape, mm-hmm. that kind of horseshoe pattern. It is much slower than male pattern balding. And again, it's because they have uh, low testosterone and low DHT as a result. But again, it's 40% of women, um, or I'm sorry, 40% of pattern baldness are women uh, who suffer from it. So, uh, and it is a thing, you know, you know, a woman's hair is very important to their esteem and, and their uh, body image. So when a woman's hair starts thinning and falling out, it is just as traumatic. Oh, and I, I would think, say more. I would argue much more in the Yeah, West, maybe so. Least. I mean, yeah. it is certainly not, and maybe more so because there's not as much attention paid and maybe like, hey, is anyone even listening that this is an issue? Well, I think women are unfairly held to even more um, beauty standards than men, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, guys can be like, oh, just shave your head. Who cares? It's fine. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's, that's a cool look. Yeah. Uh, women also have their own scale, the Ludwig scale, or if you want to get fancy, the Ludwig scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have type 1 to 3, and apparently the thinning um, is tracked on the Ludwig scale uh, along the natural part. And, it, you know, type 1 to 3 is just different degrees of how thin it is along the natural part of the woman's hair. That's right. Should we take another break? Yeah, let's take a break, and then we'll come back and talk about all of the things people have been doing for thousands of years to to combat hair loss.
All right. So this is one thing I know for a fact. If you are a young man and you are wondering if this is in your future, just look at your mom's dad and you've solved the problem. So that is a myth. Allegedly. Yes. I'm being coy. Oh, you were hurt? Man, you are just an amazing (laughs) actor. You always say you're not, and you really are. Allegedly. I mean, I don't think they've they've said outright it has nothing to do with it, right? No, there was a German study from 2005 that actually found there's a little bit on the X chromosome that bald men share in common. So it's possible because you get your X chromosome from your mom, and mm-hmm. there's a 50% chance that the X chromosome came from your grandfather. That's where the basis of that old myth right. came from. It may be true, but what they seem to be thinking is that there's way more uh, genes involved than, say, mm-hmm. just one on the X chromosome. Um that that are involved in pattern baldness. But the, the upshot of it is um, if you really want to know whether you're going to go bald or your chances of going bald, how many bald men are there in your in your family? That's really what yeah, you should be Like on both at. sides. Yeah. Just start looking at old family albums and uh, maybe pour yourself a drink. <laughs> sure to steady your nerves. Yeah, I mean, we have pretty good hair in my family. My, you know, my brother, he has this legendary oh. thick, black, wavy hair. It's just infuriating. It should uh, get a trophy of some <laughs> it sort. Should. But like my grandfather, my mom's dad, he died with a big, thick head of cur- curly hair. And my uncles, uh, my mom's brothers, both have really robust hair still. Mm-hmm. My brother does. My dad's. I'm pretty much my dad. I mean, my dad now is 80-ish, mm-hmm. and um, he started thinning on the crown, you know, quite a few years ago, and it's it's pretty thin on top, but it never, like, it never went away on top. It's, it's just pretty thin. My dad did the same thing. It's like he's got a pretty decent circle. You can calibrate a compass by it, <laughs> but it's, it is like um, – it stayed. He's eight, he's going to be eighty three this year, mm-hmm. and it's just it stayed. He's still got you know hair in between his forehead and the crown of his head. Yeah, he's got my dad it on too. the sides. Mm-hmm. Um, so I anticipate mine will probably be similar because I'm tracking a very similar um, pattern that he uh, he tracked as well. That's right. Yeah, I even have the same haircut these days. As your dad? Yeah, from the seventies. What it was, oh, is it pretty long right now? Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty long and thick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is good. It's good. I'm happy with it. But I definitely have that bald spot just like just like dear old dad has. Well, I had um been I had shaved my head I think more than ever before in uh, lockdown over the past year. I shaved it fully, I think three times mm-hmm. and then did a, a couple of sort of drunken late night, um, completely bald on the sides. <laughs> sort of Hawkeye and uh, the last Avengers movie look. Okay. Uh, and it was kind of cool. I, I kind of liked it. Cool. I have not been doing anything experimental with my hair. Actually, Yumi's been doing a good job of keeping me from looking like totally shaggy. She's, she's Just pretty cleaning good at cutting up. hair. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah. And, and definitely like shaving the neck that gets kind of burly back there. But I haven't I haven't shaved my head in years and years and years. It's just not a very good look for me. I don't know. I liked it. I I never did. I never liked pictures yeah. of me. Yeah, especially the shaved head with glasses. I'm like, Bleh. boy, I saw an old picture of us the other day that was. I'll just say it was pretty funny, and I was going to Instagram it. And I was like, Josh would be really mad if I Instagram this. Oh yeah, would I? <laughs> oh, it just wasn't your best look. You you you've come a long way, baby. 
Oh, I'm not. I'm not shy about that kind of thing. I, I know right, I used I'll, to look like I'll, a monster. I'll post it then. Now I'm an Adonis, though, so who cares? So, again, look at the pictures of all your family. I think uh, it does increase with age. If you're a white man, uh, about 20% of us are going to experience um, some sort of pattern balding in your 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know... That's that can be rough if you're if you're in your twenties and you start to lose your hair. Thirty um, percent in your thirties, and then so on and so on. Uh, I think women, I think, usually see it later, usually in their forties and fifties, and menopause can actually uh, kick it off for women. Right, uh, because again, hair growth and sex hormones are very much tied together. Yeah. So any fluctuation, weirdness, any sudden change, all of that stuff. Uh, can can have some sort of effect on your hair growth or hair loss. So that um, must mean if you have like tons of testosterone and you're that dude, you must be really, <laughs> really bald super early, right? Right. No, no wait, no, that's being not coy. True. <laughs> <laughs> you keep getting me. That's no, another that's, myth, right? Yeah, there's like supposedly uh, people who are bald have no more testosterone levels in their body in general than people who have a full head of hair. So we're busting myths all over the place, Chuck. Well, why don't we talk about some of these? It's always fun, uh, sawbone style, to talk about some antiquated uh, <laughs> medical practices mm-hmm. um, in the 1550s BC. Egyptians would – everyone's always been rubbing stuff on their head to see yeah. if they could regrow it. It was hippopotamus fat. Sure. You, porcupine hair, they would boil in water. They would grind up donkey hooves Why and not? rub that into their scalp. Yeah. Uh, and then that was on the Ebers papyrus, which I think we talked about in the ethnobotany episode. Yeah. Um, and then about 1,000, 1,100 or so years later, our buddy Hippocrates shows back up, makes the comparison with foxes with mange is not very pleasant. And then also says, hey, get your hands on some opium and horseradish, get some pigeon poop and some beets and uh, spices, like he's suddenly <laughs> Colonel Sanders or something. Right. Smoke put the it, opium. Put it all together <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and then there you go. You're fine after that. You don't care about your hair loss anymore. That's right. Um, and then put it all together and rub it on your head. Uh, and apparently he also said, you know what? Court eunuchs... Um, tend to have really nice hair, which I've never seen. I've always seen them bald. Oh, boy. Um, but he said, if you have really bad hair loss, just go ahead and castrate yourself. And there you go. I'm Hippocrates. Go ahead and base all medical science after my <laughs> teachings. Uh, about 1000 AD, there was a Celtic remedy for uh, you had to hunt down a raven, burn it, mm-hmm. and then mix up those ashes uh, and render it with some sheep fat, rub that on your head. Right. And um, then, uh, of course, the Kellogg brothers, I don't think, it wouldn't surprise me if they had a machine, but they were very Kellogg-like machines right? Uh, by the 20th century where uh, I think there was one called the Crossley Servac that if you look at a picture of this, it is very Kellogg-like. It's a, you know, this big machine and you would sit with a, a like a bowl on your head that it was connected to and I think it would supposedly try and literally suck hair from your scalp. Yeah, apparently Fred Astaire had one and I mean... The, the Crossley company still to this day has on their blog uh, a little article about it, and they they say that, you know, it worked, seemed to really work. Something about it worked, but they're not exactly sure why. Um, there's another thing called the thermocap that uh, used, like, um, uh, heat and blue light. And I know there's one today called the capillus, 
which uses some sort of maybe red or infrared light. Um, and there's a class action suit against Capellus right now because they have a claim that it, it's clinically proven to regrow hair. And apparently that clinically proven is based on a single 2014 clinical trial that was sponsored by Capellus. Mm. So somebody who tried, spent 700 bucks on a Capellus system is suing them and a bunch of other people have joined. Uh, as far as real things that work, uh, we mentioned at the onset of the show, there are a couple of drugs that have were sort of accidental in, uh, in this, so far as the side effect they found mm-hmm. was that it helped regrow hair and minoxidil. The active ingredient in Rogaine is one of them. Uh, in the 80s, it was developed as a blood pressure medication, and it's a vasodilator, so it's going to enlarge blood vessels, and they think um, that what it does is enlarge hair follicles that are shrinking due to that pattern of baldness and just slows that process down. Makes sense. And it works pretty good. I think um, supposedly it, it – I don't think it's uh, – it depends on what you're after. Like I think they say – um, hair regrowth, because that's what you want. You want to you want to start early and stop it in its tracks mm-hmm. and try to regrow some. So for hair regrowth, it was found to be very effective in only sixteen percent, um, effective or moderately effective in sixty nine percent, which is of, pretty good of men, you should say. Yeah, of men, and then ineffective in sixteen percent. Right. I think for women, nineteen percent reported moderate hair regrowth with medoxidil. And that's just for hair on the top of your head. It has apparently zero effect yeah. on the hair on the side of your head. Yeah, like that crown, if that's where you're losing it and you get in there early with that Rogaine, that's, uh, you might want to give that a shot. Yeah, and they think basically it's just um, opening up the blood supply to those, you know, withering hair follicles and gets, them, gets those gremlins working again. That's right. Makes sense. There's also finasteride, um, which was originally under the trade name Propecia. Uh, I think the patent ran out on it, and I think by now. Uh, If not, minoxidil definitely did because that was Rogaine. One of the two is is not in the patent phase any longer, but it was originally developed to shrink uh, enlarged prostates because it's a um, 5-alpha reductase inhibitor. Um, and enlarged prostates are the result of dihydrotestosterone. So um, uh, Rogaine or finasteride basically inhibits 5-alpha reductase from converting testosterone into dihydrotestosterone or DHT. So that would reduce hair loss because there's less DHT in the hair follicles. Right. And finasteride is, is uh, I think, Rogaine's a foam like hair mousse. Or maybe like a gel, a liquid too. And then finasteride, like we don't know. And then, (laughs) (laughs) just kidding. I actually did buy some Rogaine. I used it for like two weeks. And I was like, I'm not going to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah, well, that's the thing. And I just stopped. You got, we should say like um, both minoxidil and and finasteride have to be used forever for as long as you want to keep trying to work on your hair. Yeah, I I ran out. And it was just one of those things. I have a hard time doing a thing every day anyway. And I was Mm -hmm. like, it just did not last. So. I've got three or four things of, if anyone wants some free uh, Rogaine, I'll send it to them. Oh, that's nice of you. I'll just mail you my leftover things. I'm sure the, that's nice. It's, if it's over the counter, I think we're okay, legally speaking. And one more thing about finasteride, Chuck, is is it's like you were saying, it produces erectile dysfunction and loss of interest in sex in men. And then in animal studies, it produced um, birth defects in male genitalia for pregnant animals. So it's been... That's been kind of um, 
uh, extended to pregnant women, human women, saying, like, if don't get anywhere near finasteride because it may produce birth defects in your baby. I did not know that. Well, uh, the one of the reasons you did not know that is because apparently there was a 1998 lawsuit against Merck, and this judge in Brooklyn, Judge Brian Cogan, allowed this these documents, Merck internal documents, to be sealed that basically said, yeah, we're well aware of this, and we can't let this get out because people won't want um, Propecia any longer if they know about the prolonged sexual side effects, which is terrible. That is terrible. Yeah. Uh, so then you got the hair plugs that we talked about. Uh, this was from the 1950s. Uh, sometimes it looks that way. Um, Dr. Norman Orentreich, or Orentreich, I'm not sure which it is, came up with this um, sort of crude method where they would uh, punch out little circles of skin from a donor site on the back of your head mm-hmm. where you still, you know, like we said, the follicles are working great back there. And these were little plugs, about four millimeters in diameter. And then they would transplant those to where you were balding and hopefully regrow your hair. And it was, it didn't look great. It left scars in the back and it took time for it to grow in up front. So it would look very sort of planted, if you will. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like in these neat little rows. (laughs) these little plugs of hair, you know, like it left a lot to be desired for sure. That's, it has come a long way since then. Uh, Now they use something called FUE, follicular unit extraction. Mm -hmm. And that allows them to extract what they call follicular units, uh, three or four follicles. And there's no scarring back there and they can transplant them much more closely and fill in, you know, if it's, if you were liking it to like a row of corn, uh, filling in those rows in between as well, so it looked better. Much as more natural. Was, yeah, where it was thinning. You know, something interesting I saw was that um, Dr. Oren Treach, he followed in the footsteps of some other people that dated back to 1897. There was a Turkish oh, doctor named Menachem Hodara, who apparently was the first one to really do a hair transplant procedure. And then there was a Japanese guy, Dr. Shojui Okada, who in the 30s was the one who pioneered that punch technique. But in the West, uh, Dr. Orange Reach usually is credited as the pioneer of hair transplants. Now they are starting to look into stem cells. And this has a lot of promise because researchers found out, or I guess figured out through a lot of study, is that one of the reasons that why hair follicles are uh, can continue, those gremlins can keep working, mm-hmm. is because each hair follicle has a little well of stem cells, uh, including those follicular stem cells and dermal papilla cells that you were talking about, mm-hmm. I think, at the very beginning. And in Japan and uh, here in the States, there are scientists who figure out how to extract those stem cells, grow these new follicles in a lab, and the thing with anytime you're doing that, you have to you have to shape this thing. Like if you're going to uh, do something in the shape of an ear, you would 3D print out this like model, this like scaffolding model mm-hmm. to allow it to grow into the right shape. Because growing something from stem cells, you know, organs uh, from stem cells, it's, you know, you got to shape it yourself. It's not, you can't just say form of an ear or form <laughs> of a hair follicle. Right. It just doesn't work that way. Like so, the Wonder Twins? Uh, yeah, exactly. This woman at Columbia University uh, named Angelo Cristiano, who uh, was threatened by alopecia areata, started 
basically this 3D hair farm creating these printed molds that mimic the uh, underside, the internal structure of a scalp. So she can grow these, it sounds so gross, but grow these little hair fields that I was kind of talking about with Bezos. Yeah, because here's the thing, like if you are already bald, you don't have any donor sites to get the follicular extraction from, right? Yeah. Um, And if you do have some, you you know, eventually you're going to start to thin that out when you're harvesting it. This stem cell like hair farm that's grown in vitro solves that problem. You got all the donor follicle that you need right there without having to take any from the head, which is beautiful. Pretty cool. And this is like, this could be the future, you know. I think it definitely is. They're basically at the point where they can grow hair. Um, They just are now trying to figure out how to make it not wiry or pigmented the right way. And all it seems to be is figuring out in more granular detail what the actual conditions are in your hair follicle, in your scalp, and then recreating that in vitro. Yeah, and how to name it something other than a hair farm. Right. (laughs) So I think we should close with uh, the idea, you know, we like to talk about evolution and whether or not something was an evolutionary adaptation to to stick around. Mm Mm-hmm. And you might think if if women are always being surveyed about attractiveness of men and balding men rank low on that list, why on earth would it stick around as an evolutionary trait? And I think it took a doctor named Frank uh, Muscarella to come around and say, maybe we should ask women a lot of things, attractiveness, but also, did the, does this guy look smart? Does he look trustworthy? Does he look approachable? Does he look like he might be a good long-term mate? Mm-hmm. And balding men did rank lower in attractiveness, but they ranked a lot higher in all those other areas. So that might explain why it stuck around as an evolutionary adaptation, even though not everyone agrees. Yeah, and there was another study from the University of Pennsylvania that basically said um, that, like, I think— Bald men are viewed as 10% more masculine, um, more confident, stronger even. And they were like, this doesn't really jibe with what we, what our understanding is. So they, they got another set of photos and they showed people um, with a guy with hair and then digitally manipulated without hair. So mm-hmm. to make sure it wasn't like there was some difference among the actual guys that, right. that wasn't. They were controlling for hair loss, basically. Sure. And they still found the same results. But it's like you said, they, they keep trying to pigeon whole things into like what the evolutionary fitness is, you know, um, and some people are like, just not everything fits that yeah. in a neat, tidy way. It's possible baldness is just a, an aberration. Like it's not something we're supposed to do, but it had nothing to do with with um, helping the species along or holding it back, you know? That's right. Uh, you got anything else? No, I hope uh, we displayed the proper sensitivities here. Uh if anyone is suffering from hair loss, then uh, it can be a tough thing and, and handle it the best way you know how. Yeah, agreed. Um, and since Chuck said the best way you know how, I think it's time for listener mail. It is. This is, uh, believe it or not, Sammy Davis Jr. enters the picture. Okay. And this is from Molly. She says, I recently found out I have a distant but kind of wild Sammy Davis Jr. connection. Turns out my great, great, great aunt is the one who caused the car accident that caused Sammy Davis Jr. to lose his eye. Oh, my gosh. Her name was Helen Boss. She was 72 when she stopped in the middle of the highway in California and started to reverse because she missed her exit and caused the infamous car wreck. 
she missed her exit and was lost because she was from Akron, Ohio, and had just done a cross-country road trip to California. Uh, she says, my whole family's from the Cleveland, Akron area. Shout out, Ohio. Molly, mm-hmm. mine is my wife's as, as well. Me too. Uh, there was another woman in the car with her that had been taking turns driving. They both suffered from injuries, uh, some injuries as well. And there were some lawsuits flying from all parties post-accident. I believe Sammy was cleared of any wrongdoing, even though he rear-ended them. Uh, this isn't really a proud family moment, but when my mom told me the story, I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. Love the podcast. I'm a tax accountant. Wanted to say there's at least one person that absolutely loves when you cover tax and financial topics. That is from Molly B. Nice work, Molly. Appreciate that. That is a rando family history, if I've ever heard one. It's good. I agree. Totally interesting. If you've got some weird part of your family history that you want to share with us, we'd love to hear it. You can send it in an email to stuffpodcast at iheartradio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.